0: if the feminine is to rise, it needs to be supported. The feminine cannot rise by being depleted. And so if you are in this, in this work of doing healing and you're having that feeling come up of feeling like, Oh, this doesn't feel good that I'm charging for this work. Remember that if you're not charging for this work, this work doesn't reach out into the world because if you're not sustained, this work can't sustain it is absolutely essential for the feminine to rise that the feminine receives. Absolutely essential.
1: Prophecies have foretold and wisdom keepers all know that the rise of the feminine will restore balance to our world. In this podcast... We
2: are on a journey to understand the root of the imbalance that has caused disconnection and dysfunction within our humanity, so we can emerge as leaders,
1: creating a new story on Earth. I'm Lauren Walsh. And I'm Shayna Connors. With humble hearts and open minds, we will converse with spiritual teachers, historians, psychologists, revolutionaries, leaders, and healers to navigate these evolving times And reintegrate the feminine history that we have forgotten. Welcome
2: to the Time of the Feminine podcast.
1: Hello, hello, Global Sisterhood family. This is Shayna dropping in just to say a little hello and to get you really excited to listen to this podcast with Kate Murphy. She is Brilliant, And to me, listening to her, she embodies the sacred masculine and feminine together and unison and union. And I think that's what makes her such an incredible businesswoman. And so I'm excited to introduce her and also to share a little bit about a study group, a program, something I'm birthing that's starting on May 2nd. So comes out on next Tuesday. And next Tuesday, we'll be starting the program. It's our first circle. So May 2nd will be our first circle, and we'll be closing the circle on May 30th. So it'll be a month-long experience and study group into our worth. And our worth relates to so many things. Sister, it is... The reason that we believe or disbelieve that we can go out into the world and create and be and express and have and do and love and play and express, to me, worth is really the roots of everything. And so I'm very excited to be embarking on this work, even though birthing this kind of work into the world is very hard because you have to learn it yourself and go through it yourself. And so I'm right there with you. This is a sisterhood space for all of us to go into our worth, to go into the roots and to heal, to deeply heal, to be seen, to be felt, to be understood. And these dark often shadowy places we don't often get to travel and so why not do it in sisterhood this is going to be fun it may not be easy but it's going to be fun and when we can do things in sisterhood it's always beautiful we'll be guided with four elders who will be sharing their wisdom about how we actually are in the place that we are with our worth and our current paradigm and our current system and so Anne Baring will be there You know, this year, Anne's about to be 92 years old, and so this is a really special opportunity to get to sit with this teacher and learn about the feminine history. We have Yaya Louisa Tish, Yoruban priestess extraordinaire. I just spent two weekends ago at her house, and I could be with her all the time. She is just an incredible storyteller, a teacher, a shaman, a writer. We have Quanita Robertson, who you've heard on her podcast, and everything she says, I'm like, damn, Juanita just brings straight wisdom and is such a beautiful force. She's gonna be teaching about reconciliation and forgiveness to really forgive and tend to the wounds inside of ourselves. And last but certainly not least. My meditation teacher and friend, Mare Chapman, who is going to be teaching about internalized misogyny and how we can use mindfulness to actively stop these negative thoughts and belief systems so we can live freely, sisters. So this work is about us. It's about embodying our true worth, our true essence, so we can be in the world and get to express our gifts, to do our dharma, and to not be afraid of who we are as daughters of this earth. So sisters, I hope you're with me in this journey and we start on Tuesday, May 2nd. So go ahead, go to the Global Sisterhood website, sign up. I'm sure there'll be a link in the bio on our Instagram as well as in the show notes of this episode. And so check it out, globalsisterhood.org backslash wow, W-O-W, Worth of a Woman, So, enjoy this episode with Kate, and I will
2: talk to you all soon. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Time of the Feminine podcast. This is Lauren here, and I am once again over the moon for what I think is going to be a very informative, interesting, healing conversation, as we like to have here on the Time of the Feminine podcast with Kate Murphy. Kate Murphy is a Canadian entrepreneur, founder of The Feminine Code, co-founder and former CEO of The Play Magnus Group, investor, business advisor, as well as an initiated priestess. This is a combination you don't often see, so this is why I'm excited about this about this episode. So a little more about Kate. Kate's work is focused on raising the feminine, both through the path of the priestess and through business. She works with women and entrepreneurs around the world to both start up and scale up by combining the sacred with strategy. As an entrepreneur at heart, at the age of 23, Kate co-founded Canada's largest national dance convention, iDance, while earning both her BBA and MBA between Canada and France. As a priestess, she walks the path of a priestess with women in her one-on-one mentorship containers as well. Over the last 16 years, she has also been deeply immersed in her spiritual path, which began in yogic traditions and eventually led her to the path of her Celtic heritage as a priestess. Her passions are on both sides of the spectrum, the power of the masculine strategy and the mysticism of divine feminine wisdom. It is her life's work to help guide and weave the feminine and masculine together in business and inner worlds. So Kate, welcome to the Time of the Feminine podcast. It's an honor to have you.
0: Thank you, Lauren. I'm so honored and humbled to be here. I'd like to start out with
2: a question that we ask some of our guests, but not always. And I'm really interested to hear what you have to say on this. In your perspective, what does the time of the feminine mean? Mm.
0: Mm. The time of the feminine is a remembering, not so much a becoming. It's a remembering of what's inside, what is the wisdom of nature, and reintegrating it back in. It's not about learning. We already have learned it. The time of the feminine is to find the strength within us to bring it forward. Like I I truly believe that that wisdom is everywhere. And we're being reminded of it all the time. And it's just a matter of peeling back the layers.
2: Mm. In the past 4,000 years, much of the spiritual traditions have been about ascension. And I found much of this very helpful in ascending beyond kind of my karmic bloodline, the inheritance, the wounds, the imprints. And yet there's the consciousness of the earth, the consciousness of the feminine of being embodied that also has such a significant wisdom. And so I'm curious as we enter into a conversation about business and also the feminine, To talk to you about this because it feels like, out of the ascension structure of the past 4,000 years, this idea of rising, elevating, connecting with this God above and beyond has inspired the male principle to build, to strategize, to produce, to almost create in their way of creating heaven on earth. It's like building and resources and almost hoarding, right? Leaving some people with empires and others with very little. And this era of the feminine emerging and women rising and women waking up and even the feminine awakening and men again, it's this like reclamation that we also belong to the cycles and the seasons. And there's a consciousness of mother earth that when unified with the ascension, like the descension, there's some kind of magic alchemy that takes place. And so I just wanted to frame that and see where you go with it, because I'm sure from your lens of transforming business through the feminine, you've thought a lot about this.
0: A lot. And I'm I'm so grateful you bring it up and the way you did too, is so beautiful because it's both and. The ascension is incredible, but so is, as you said, the descension or the going inwards and the formation and creation always comes from the dark. Always from the primordial womb. That's where we birth everything from. And so, if we're going to create in a more feminine way, we need to be able to go into the cave, into the dark, into the void. And that truly is where we find that deep wisdom of where we can share from, where we can build from, where we can birth from. If we don't have the dissension or if we don't have the dark, it's very, very challenging to create on this earth. And manifest or make things come alive without having that process first. So with all the focus on the ascension and the, the building up, 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 we, we lose the grounding of it on this planet that is for all in some form of, in some way of balance. That's the other thing too. Cause nature is always in balance. If we're always focusing on the ascension, something's going to tip. That tower will fall over some point.
2: Right. It's like the modern Western world is a sandcastle rather than like a an actual empire. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the illusion of that in some ways. And I feel like the, you know, some people have theories that the whole thing has to crumble for something new to be reborn, but it feels to me like it's crumbling bit by bit.
0: All the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Look at the seasons, look at the cycles, look at our cycles, our, our menstrual cycles. It's a death every month, <laughs> you know, and it's the same thing in business. You have to be able to allow there to be death. You have to allow there to be endings consistently, because if we hang on, then we're creating losses, we're creating expenses that don't need to be there. And that's something that's super interesting with women and the, rather the feminine in business and the masculine in business. The masculine wants to keep building, layering. What The feminine is much more comfortable with this idea of death because the feminine understands rebirth. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So if we're building from that place of, okay, this can be allowed to die now, this can be allowed to be let go because we know and trust something new is coming forward, then that is the point at which we can create a different society that's not a sandcastle. That's Mm -hmm. really, truly dying all the time, but also rebirthing all the time. And so applying the feminine
2: intelligence and the feminine wisdom to the area of business and that cycles and seasons and death, life, rebirth, regeneration
0: to business, how does one do that in your Mm -hmm. perspective? Well, it starts with first coming home to self and really understanding your own cycle, whether you're bleeding or not, whether you're in touch with the lunar cycles or not, we can't escape what is innate within nature. And so if we are living always on the cycle of the masculine business structure, which is actually our nine to five is based on the testosterone cycle. Maybe you've spoken about this before, where testosterone peaks in the morning And then it just peters off throughout the rest of the day into the evening where it's no longer, and it's a time for rest. And it's consistent every day, just like this peak drop, peak drop. Whereas we look at our own cycles as those that are bleeding or even those that are in perimenopause and menopause. And you're having a different cycle every day. And so the first thing I always talk about when it comes to allowing nature to be in business, especially for for entrepreneurs is how is your cycle moving through your business? Because it is your business is always reflecting your energy and your healing. And so if we are faced with our, our cycle in a time where we need more rest, but the nine to five is telling us get up and get to work by eight and come home from five, six, 7. PM. That would be the first place I'd start is changing how you work with your time. With your cycle moving with your flow
2: and i know you work specifically with women but how would you apply that to a man who's interested in applying the feminine intelligence within himself to
0: business well it's a little different because he's not following the same cycles but if he's running his company there's going to be different ways if he has feminine or female employees for instance being able to recognize that those cycles exist could certainly help a business grow because you're allowing things to move more in flow. Mm -hmm. So that would be the first place that I would start is just education around how can you work with this to your favor and see it actually as a benefit that your employees can actually rise much greater than you might expect at certain times. And if you give them the rest they need at other times, and then the other aspect is, of course, with nature and moving with the tides and flows. If you watch the stock market, for instance, there are certain times of the year where it's a resting phase and you'll see that things get quieter. You know, it's, it's of course not mathematics because the stock market is unpredictable. If you watch where there's resting times, there can be dips. Housing market prices, same thing. And the masculine or a man who is in business can look towards nature for for deeper wisdom about how does one go out towards launch, feeling like spring is a very good time for picking up something new and bringing it to fruition and maybe closing down things in the fall when a certain product or service has been showing a declining over a period of time and allowing it to close out. And also, if you're in a place where there aren't physical seasons, just recognizing that the business cycle is seasonal. It literally has the same ebbs and flows of birth, growth, maturation, peak maturity, and dissension. So there's the same cycle in the business cycle as we see in the seasons and as we see in our own cycles. And if we're able to overlay that intentionally on business we'll be able to actually scale without burnout, without exhaustion, and a lot less depression Mm as well. Yeah. So
2: am I correct in this bit of information that will inform my next question? You were the CEO of a company from the startup phase to all the way
0: through the scale-up phase to going public. Is that correct? Correct. I exited at the time the company went public. Yeah. And what business was this? This is Play Magnus. It Play was Magnus. a yeah, chess company. Yeah. So
2: this is what I love about this conversation where I get really interested. So you actually, in that business, am I correct in assuming you applied your theories around the feminine code and the feminine intelligence applied to business here? After I burnt out. After you burnt out. So that was the burnout. Yeah. And then you started applying and then experimenting. With new ways of creating culture, creating conditions around work, can you explain that process and what you found mm. in terms of in both culture and morale of your team and your employees, but also productivity? Like I want like, I want some data for those skeptical out there.
0: Mm. Well, I'll start off by saying the how. The how" was literally coming to a point at which I was working 80, 90-hour work weeks, just insane. Like no one should be working those kinds of hours. And I really did come to a burnout point where I said, either I have to change what I'm doing or I have to step down and step out. And it was a choice between a death, which would have led to a rebirth of something else or a continuation on what I was doing. And so the first thing I started doing was, okay, I know that I'm exhausted, especially when I'm in my luteal phase and my menstrual phase. I need to rest more here. And so I stopped booking travel, international travel during that time. I stopped booking investor pitches. I stopped booking presentations. I stopped booking anything that would be something like this. I wouldn't do at around those times anymore. I would start to schedule it. And now, of course, this is difficult for someone that's not in a leadership position because you don't always have full control over your calendar. But this was the first thing that I was able to do that started to help me realize that there was something very significant here. That actually stopped my crazy hour working. I started to understand I could scale up my hours during my follicular and ovulatory phases. And in that I could have the time to rest. It's also about getting real about what actually needs to be done and what can wait. And the second thing I started bringing in was at, for my team, because as a leader, your team watches you for how you operate. And so with A burnout boss, you're going to have a burnout team. And so I started bringing in meditation, being really open to open dialogue around taking time when it was needed. I started opening my office door a lot more and inviting people in to come have conversations. Did it take more time? Yeah. But it also changed the culture of the company into one that was much more open. I could understand where there was more roadblocks happening much earlier. So it saves the company money rather than waiting till there's a blow up or something gets lost or left out by just having a more trust-based organization. I brought in meditation. I brought in yoga to those that wanted to do it. And even my developers were joining in in meditation and yoga classes, which a lot of people might think is unexpected, but you could tell that it was doing something very important for the company. To be able to get from a startup small company phase where you're working round the clock to get yourself to a place of where you're ready to go public. And I would say, you know, scaling during those years, taking the company's revenues, increasing revenues and increasing it all happened together at the same time that this change in myself and in the team was happening. And. It was that experience, actually living that out, that gave me the understanding that this is meaningful and this needs to be shared. And so right before the company went public, I started trying to actually test, okay, what else should we be looking at? What else can we be working with? And that's when the lunar cycles started coming in and the seasons came in. And at that point, I just knew I needed to start something new. Well, thank you
2: for having the courage, I mean, obviously out of necessity, but courage nonetheless to be within a leadership position, having so many men who have modeled it before you to follow their example and to take agency and trust in your own experience to forge a new way Mm -hmm. and then gain all this wisdom to share as somebody who has proven it. And that's rare right now. We talk a lot about it. We talk a lot about applying the feminine intelligence, the feminine cycles, honoring them and how that can completely transform a business that can transform people's lives. But there's not a lot of hard proof and evidence yet and you're living proof. And and I'm super excited to actually have met somebody that I can be like, see, it works. <laughs> So for those people who are listening, who are not in leadership positions and not in control of their
0: calendar, what would you share with them? Mm. The first thing I would say is talk to other women that you're working with, because the education piece is so important. And especially if you have managers or people in the organization that are open That you can sense if somebody's open to learning or listening is to open up a dialogue and just talk about something as simple as Spain, for instance, just a few weeks ago could be a good starting point. They instituted their first menstrual leave where women can take menstrual leave, paid menstrual leave, just as they would sick days. And it's the first European country to do so. And, you know, whether or not that spurs other governments to do the same, what I would say it's, it shows that it's being, it's starting to be accepted as a point of topic. So using that maybe as the first step to a discussion around how can we change our working? Can I do work from home during these days? Can I take shorter days and do longer days during ovulatory phase or follicular phase? I would say that that is a good place to start. If you're not in a place where you can have that dialogue, then doing it for yourself as best you can. And really monitoring your own energy lines, but not just in the sense of, okay, I'm bleeding this day, but really knowing every day, tracking every day how you feel for three months, every single day, and then block those phases. And once you have clarity over your own personal experience and phases, then do your best to overlay it onto your schedule. Do
2: you have a particular methodology that you follow that you could recommend for
0: women tracking three months of their cycles? I would say I have a business moon cycle, map that's on my website that's for free and you can download it, print it out and go through um, and you just print out three copies of it. And you actually, I, I like to do it by hand because I feel like there's so much technology. There's so many apps, so many, you know, cycle tracking apps. I think it's so important to just see it on paper and then do it in you know different colors and really make your own map because then it will really integrate.
2: Mm-hmm. And so for those people who are not having a flow cycle, then the second way to go about really tracking how you feel is by the lunar cycle. Right. Is that correct? So same process, but with the lunar. Yeah. Because
0: your waters are turned inwards mm-hmm. and then you're following the lunar cycle based on how the moon would affect the waters. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. So
2: what about women who are listening? or men who are listening, who are entrepreneurs and they are in that kind of startup phase, and maybe they've been in that startup phase for a while. What
0: guidance do you have for this phase? Mm -hmm. Startup phase and been in the startup phase for a while. There's a few things. The first thing I would say is, is it a product market fit based on your authentic truth? And that's twofold. Does your product meet the market that you're trying to, or is it belong somewhere else? And is it coming truly from what you're here to do? Because if one of those two things aren't aligned, you're going to sit in the startup phase for a while and it's never going to scale. That being said, nature doesn't rush. Nature has a, a flow to it. And so, you know, most companies by year three, they might be making break even year five on average, making a profit. Your seven to 10 is when companies tend to really make a big impact in terms of revenue. That's just, you know, the averages. So if you've been hanging out in for three years in a startup phase, it's not a failure, but it is a time to check in. Am I seeing growth? Am I seeing a sprouting or am I seeing a lot of pain and suffering? And there's not the other side of it coming out.
2: So what I think is really fascinating. About your work is that you're helping people on the macro level in terms of orienting with their purpose and then giving them really strategic tools to support them in building a business. And so I kind of want to play on both the macro for a second and the more micro. Let's go into visionary priestess land for a second, because I know that as a path that you've been walking spiritually, um, you must have had very beautiful intuitions, visions, revelations about the feminine and business and what it can do for the planet. Mm. And
0: I really want to hear what you have seen and felt. I love this question. I love this question because it's what really turned me towards the work I'm doing today. And I want to back shift just a little bit because it did have to come about because of a less spiritual experience. And that was being in A very, very patriarchal business setting, fundraising in Silicon Valley, being around a board of directors of all men in their fifties and sixties and really recognizing that the feminine was not only absent, but actually shamed. And so that was kind of the first awakening point. And then the second piece, of course, is the awakening from a more macro standpoint, the greater standpoint of What would happen if every woman in the world had more money? What if that energetic of money was in the hands of more women? What would our world look like? What would our economic systems look like? Would we even have a stock market? Would we even have any of these structures that are in place? And so I started to ideate on the first thing was, how do I help more women get more equity? More finance, more sovereignty. And then what could become of that in the future? And macro speaking, I think we would see a totally different world, even if there was just more balance. Not that it needs to swing all the way to the other side, but that there's more balance, more equanimity, more wealth being held by women who are making decisions that are impacting the environment, that are impacting. The governments that are impacting international organizations that have much more control than maybe we like to believe. What would happen if, you know, a woman was the founder of Amazon? I don't know if they'd be prioritizing shooting themselves to the moon, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there would be different prioritization. And I think that is a world I would like to live in.
2: <laughs> oh,
0: keep going. I'm into it. <laughs> What else have you dreamt up? What else have you imagined? Well, you know, my big thing is having more women as founders too, because for so long, the feminine has been not leading in this system and recognizably so because it is a patriarchal system. And the times that we're in now, it's very hard for all of us to just go off and live in the woods. Although that does sound wonderful, It to some, it is not necessarily possible. And so what could this system be if the feminine was more present, if the feminine values were more present, if there was more kindness, if there was more compassion? What would a board of directors look like? You know, in Norway, where I spent a lot of my career, all public-facing companies have to have 50% women on the board. And I think, you know, while it's a forced... Equality boundary, I think it's an important one because there has to be systems in place that actually support this shift, this change, because otherwise it's very difficult for it to happen. If
2: Shana was here for the conversation, I think she would have just a pin would go up for her because she used to work in finance Mm -hmm. and she was always struck by when women would come in and pitch their ideas. They were so much more prepared than the men, yet way less secure inside of themselves, their their worth with their worth and whether they deserved that money. While men just could come in and be like, give me all this money and just (laughs) have like such a a less prepared plan. Would you like to speak a little bit about that and how we can begin to remedy that sense of um undeserving
0: within this current system? Mm-hmm. I'll first speak to the fact that it's not strange that women go in feeling that way when only 2.6% around that of venture capital funding goes to women. The, the number is so minuscule. And on top of that, the number of women that sit in those rooms to actually fund those founders is, is probably even fewer. So it's not unfounded that a woman going into that type of environment, a VC round, um, is, is feeling like, wow, that's a lot to take in. And it's nerve wracking. But so too is this idea of not enough, not good enough, you know, not ready enough. My product's not far along enough. And truly, I think this is a systemic thing within the feminine of worthiness and, you know, the self-love piece, which I'm sure has come up many a time. It is truly within our lineage, ancestrally, something that we're living out over and over again. And it spills over into every aspect of our lives with dating, with business, you know, with raising children. Am I doing this right? It's, it's across the board. And so for women that are going into these situations, feeling insecure, it's a matter of, you know, becoming And changing it across the board of, of one's life, not just within the business world. It, it really is a, something that needs to be changed within all of the systems, including the education system. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And what has been your journey of transforming that story for yourself? Being crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Believing that maybe I can do this. You know, like admittedly, it started at a young age where I was very much enamored by my father, my younger brother, doing all the things. And I felt like I can do all the things too. And it was always this matter of proving it. And I know a lot of women feel like they've done this in their lifetime is I'll show you. And I think, unfortunately, that was part of the the spark that took me to the point of I'll show you. So it wasn't necessarily at first coming from a place of I am worthy. It was more, you don't think I'm worthy and I'll show you. And that fire is tough, but it got me to the place now where if I walk into a room and I'm asking for money, I know that I'm worthy of that product coming to life. But it was practice. (laughs) I, I, I want everybody to see this giant smile I have.
2: That is so, to me, that success of yours is a success for us all. Okay. You can continue. I just wanted to intervene with a giant smile
0: and congratulations. (laughs) I appreciate that so much. And, and this is also what I love about the global sisterhood and what you're doing with this podcast is cheering on other women because this is also so needed. There's so much witch wound inside of the business world and inside of women. And we really see it come out in the business world. And when we're supporting one another, Oh my goodness, all boats rise with the tide. You know, oh my goodness. If, if more women were supporting others to get higher, get that funding, you know, really be a mentor to those that are up and coming in the, in the founding space or even, you know, your own startup, whether it's a coaching business or whatever it may be. If we had more women supporting these, um, these endeavors and, I could always say you don't have competitors, you have teammates because they're working towards the same goal, the same drive. And if you are viewing your competitor as a teammate, you'll always cheer them on while you're also rising with them because you're working towards the same end and the market is big enough, more than big enough for everyone to play.
1: Hmm.
2: One trend that seems to be of the last seven years is women who are stepping out to really proclaim their healers, you know, their priestess, their space holder, their their teacher, you know, their wisdom keeper, their medicine woman. They're wanting to walk that path and implement that path into a system, to the system, and receive finance for it and receive money for the the exchange of their their healing services. This is everywhere now. And it feels like so important and so special and so needed that we can begin to value women's work, which we are inherently this, fiscally. Mm-hmm. However, I, I've heard from a lot of women that it's so saturated that they're even scared to to present themselves mm-hmm.
0: out into the world. What would you say to this? I'd say how many plant species are on this planet because they are all part of the ecosystem and they're all different, but the same, you know, they're doing their own medicine in their own way. You don't drink net- nettles for the same reason you drink red raspberry leaf. And they're both healers and they're both working in their own way in their own energetic and to the point of the market feeling saturated Well, yes, it's a time of growth. A lot of women are stepping into their power and realizing this is within them and feeling this is what I'm called to do and serve at this time. And I think that's beautiful. And I also think that the ecosystem gets stronger when there's diversity in the market. Mm -hmm. And so I would say if that is feeling like your authentic calling, then you go for it. You jump. You find the first next step towards that creation and you do it. Because you will never know if you don't re- if you don't birth it and if it doesn't seem to be the way after a little while, well, you can allow that to die and something else to come through from it because may- maybe that healing experience work will bring through a modality that doesn't exist yet that you start doing. you know There's just so much medicine and so much need for medicine right now. Truly. mm-hmm.
2: And what would you advise people in terms of how to value their services? Mm. I feel like this is a, a place where a lot of women get stuck.
0: Yeah. Like how do Pric- they, yeah. Pricing is tough because there's so many different ways. You know, there's cost-based pricing. There's pricing based on your experience. There's pricing based on, you know, um, your competitors or your teammates, what they're doing. And I think what it comes down to is, is, is two things. First of all, who's your client? What are they willing to pay for such a service? And just because your service is similar to someone else that's doing something doesn't mean your price is the same. Maybe that person has been practicing for 20 years and you've been practicing for two. So therefore, there's going to be a price differential based on what you're charging. But make sure always that there's an energy exchange. And I'm sure people have spoken about this and know about this, that there has to be an energy exchange because if there's an imbalance in that, and you're not valuing what it is you're bringing forward, then there's going to be um, a tough lesson. And oftentimes it's that there's going to be a closure of that business line or that service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: We kind of entered into the micro. I'm asking these like very mm-hmm. tangible questions, but I want to kind of revisit the macro vision of how the world can change. And now the micro like the actual steps that you would tell a woman who's in the process of building her business, the maybe the guidelines or best tips or whatever you think are the
0: most important know-hows or no tos what would you suggest? The first thing I always like to come back to is around purpose and ensuring that if you're pouring your energy into something, that you're doing it really authentically do your best not to look too much around about what other people are doing do your best to you know not be on social media like have your presence there but don't be on it because it can distract you from your truth and your authenticity and if you get wavered in that you'll hang out in that startup space for a very long time so that that would be my first point is if you're in the process of starting get really clear on what's authentic to you and serve from there. Because that is where the expansion happens and that is where you'll see, you know, the returns on investment happen. The second thing I would say is certainly get clear around your own cycles and rhythms because if you're not, you're setting yourself up for burnout and you're setting yourself up for a very exhausting way of working where it's work, 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 and there's no balance on the other side. You can rest when you're building a company. It doesn't have to be 24-7. And you can have the other side of extreme abundance and not burning yourself out. That's a possibility. It truly is. And we haven't been taught that. So know that that is a possibility and you can have that. The third thing I would say is outsource where you can. Whether it's to automated services, like this is getting really nitty gritty now, but get into... Get into using the new AI tools that exist now, you know, learn about them because they're going to change the way you work, whether it's chat GPT or using Jasper for doing templates and things like it's not going to take away your voice, but it can help you create different aspects of your business in a quicker, more, more um, efficient way. So really get to know those things, get a virtual assistant if you can, you know, go and hire on outsource people for things that take you a lot of time, because then you can put that time in towards what's making you money, which is your creation. And you do need to invest a little if you're going to scale. And don't be afraid to put your money into something you really believe in. Don't be afraid to spend money on certain things for the next phase to happen. I often find that uh, new founders are afraid to put money into things. They just want to do everything. And while you do wear a lot of hats as a as a startup founder, you can't wear them all because there's only so many hours in a day. So outsource where you can. Mm. I'd start there.
2: Thank you. I love all of that advice. I wish Shana was here because I bet Shana would have like really awesome questions for you that I'm not thinking of. But I just wanted to ask you, In terms of running the Feminine
0: Code, can you share a little bit about what that is? Yeah, thanks. The Feminine Code is essentially an eight-week business course that focuses on strategy rather than the marketing. A lot of what you see online for business courses is very focused on digital marketing. This is a different reframe. It's really going into the strategy side of starting up, building, and scaling a business and how to do that in a much more feminine way, and really focused on nature and energetics. And the energetics piece is so important because for those of us on a healing path, we'll often find that our businesses are reflecting the very thing that we need healing in. They will mirror and actually blow up, make it bigger, um, those wounds that we are, are working through. And so... It's really focusing on how are we working through those wounds as they're reflected in our business as well. So there's some shadow work aspect as well, especially around money, money story, scaling up, selling, you know, these things where often the feminine will shy away from rather than stepping into that lioness aspect of really owning and and showing up. And so, yeah, it's a container that is just for women and it's focused on getting the basics of business and also how to do it in a different way and very strategy oriented, both for women that haven't started up anything and they have an idea. And for those that are running a business, but they're exhausted and burnt out and want to do it differently. Hmm. I love
2: the aspect of shadow work. Like the very issue that's coming up in the business is a, is a wound to heal for me my biggest issue with global sisterhood has been not wanting to charge a lot just mm-hmm. definitely wanting it to be accessible and in some ways we've really healed that in the past few years we're charging a lot more and we've remedied that by also just having a certain a lot of scholarships to include a global community because you really just need to have different pricing options for a global community and so We've really done a lot of experimenting and testing. But I think the deeper aspect of it for me is I feel guilty, Mm -hmm. even though I feel 100% confident that what we do transforms. I've Mm -hmm. seen it, I know it. I feel very confident in my capacity for that. I'm like very, very, very aware of the power of global sisterhood and myself. Yet I sometimes feel like I'm tricking somebody into giving me their money. I've been working with that for years and I'm sure this is something that comes up a lot. And so I'd just love to ask that you expand on that.
0: Especially for women who are doing any type of healing work. And I would say the Global Sisterhood is healing work, most certainly, have this come up so often. I would say all of my clients who are in the healing space have this come up around the charging and feeling guilty for charging for healing work. Well, here's the thing. Maybe, you know, hundreds of years ago, healing work was not charged in the same way because there was a community healer and people went to see them, but there would have been an energy exchange. There would have been an energy exchange. And if the feminine is to rise, it needs to be supported. The feminine cannot rise by being depleted. And so if you are in this, in this work of doing healing and you're having that feeling come up of feeling like, oh, this doesn't feel good that I'm charging for this work, remember that if you're not charging for this work, this work doesn't reach out into the world. Because if you're not sustained, this work can't sustain. It is absolutely essential for the feminine to rise that the feminine receives. Absolutely essential. When it comes to how to price, it's of course looking at who's your market. What can they afford? And the fact that you've done these scholarships, I think is brilliant because it gives accessibility to everyone. And then, at the same time, those that can afford more—you know—I I love that that bottle payment, where it's, you know, pay what you can. If you have more, pay more, and help those that can't. And I really believe that's a feminine way of charging. Mm-hmm. Actually,
2: mm-hmm.
0: that's the way that we've
2: found to be the best for us and feel the most integrity in.
0: Absolutely, it's circular. It mm-hmm. pays back, and and I think that's a brilliant way to be to be pricing a product like yours. And yeah, I think I'll leave it there, but it is coming back to knowing that the feminine's healing happens when she receives. And in the feminine code
2: community, what other type of entrepreneurs do you have? What's (laughs) another
0: common? Yeah, honestly, it's, it's everything. Like there's what you would expect in the coaches and healers. Like there's these women who are brilliant. And then there's women coming in from fashion, jewelry, skincare, which are also maybe what you'd expect, but I've also had architects, lawyers, accountants come through as well that are running their own practices, usually entrepreneurs. So that is the the focus of the Feminine Code, but it the beauty of it is like the expanse of the different types of women that walk through those doors, even you know, artists, singers, have come through because you are creating you're creating a product you know with your art with with what it is and it it is a beautiful community of women um from all walks of life and i think that's what makes it really special
2: and how long have has the feminine code been in existence
0: i launched it the year that play magnus went public so in in 2020 That's insane to me that your business, your company went public and you launched
2: a new business. That's, I knew, like emerged. It just birthed from you. It was like one of those
0: like channeling experiences that just happened, right? Well, yeah, in a lot of ways I was preparing for it because I knew I was, I was not going the next uh, phase with the company. My time was complete. So I was, I was already gestating, shall we say the feminine code during 2019 2018 as well and 2017 was kind of when i had that wall and you know started to work with it so 2017 2018 i was really bringing it to life and 2019 2020 it came out so yeah
2: it came out yeah <laughs> <laughs> well Kate, i want to ask you and we ask this to every one of our guests if you in this moment could channel the wisdom the voice of the great mother for all of us,
0: what would she speak through you? Mm. She would say, turn your face to the sun, grow tall. Don't shy away or shy or push, pull back from what it is that you're here to do. Only you can create what you're here for. And it is your absolute gift to serve from this place. And I'm being shown this beautiful sunflower. And I love working with sunflower in, in in this work. That's, you know, 10 feet tall and facing towards the sun. And it's just in its essence. And I really feel that the mother wants this for all of us, that we are turning to the sun, shining our light, pulling in that Leo energy and stepping through into all our worth, all we're here to do, fully, wholly, completely. Mm.
2: Mm. And so it is.
0: And so it is.
2: And flowers don't compare themselves to other flowers. They don't say, oh, those petals are more yellow than mine, or my petal is a little oddly shaped. They just be flowers, beautiful, radiant flowers, and so shall we.
0: Oh, yes. Yes, yes. Bloom, baby, bloom.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Kate, so much for being on the Time of the Feminine Podcast. Where can women
0: find your work? Oh, thank you. The best place to reach me is probably Instagram. Handle is at ThisIsKateMurphy, or my website, ThisIsKateMurphy.com. Well,
2: everybody, this is Kate Murphy, and thank you for tuning in. It's been wonderfully educational, and I can't wait to digest some of this beautiful information and integrate it more deeply inside of my work and our work with global sisterhood. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. I would love to introduce our new sponsor goddesswell.co. Goddesswell creates the highest quality of women's products for your highest self, specifically formulated by women for women to complement our inherent self-healing power specifically focusing on PMS, menopause, hormone and mood support and urinary tract health. So what I love about this company is the intentionality within the medicine and the high, high quality of CBD that's within each capsule. So there's various lines. There's the harmony line for harmony and mood. There's the radiance line for PMS and menopause relief. There's the Serenity line for UTI relief. And each capsule has two times more CBD than in any other capsule on the market. Plus high quality essential oils to target and support relieving all of these various women's hormonal and sexual health issues. So for me, every day I take the Harmony pill for mood and hormone aid and I say a little prayer and I connect with the medicine and I connect with the aliveness of the essential oils and I ask for help with what I'm going through right now in my woman's health journey and I feel like I'm giving myself the care and the attention I need. So what's so cool about Goddess Well and Marcella, the owner's connection with Global Sisterhood, is she's a Global Sisterhood facilitator herself, and she has made it available for the Global Sisterhood community to buy one product and get one free using the code SISTERHOOD. That means we get to buy one for ourselves, and we get to buy one with the condition of giving it to a sister, to spread the love, to spread the health and to deepen our circle of women who are healing ourselves and transforming the world. So go to goddesswill.co, use the code SISTERHOOD, and buy
1: one and get one free to give to a friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Time of the Feminine podcast. It is such an honor every time to be able to host these conversations and to share the stories of the beautiful people we get the opportunity to interview. And so if you enjoyed this podcast, please go ahead and leave us a review. You can do so on Apple Podcasts and write a nice note, or you can do so on Spotify by Leaving Stars. We so appreciate every single one of you that's taken the effort to go out and to share with others and with our community about how this podcast has touched you. It really means so much to us since for us, this is a labor of love. And so thank you for giving back in that way.